If you love what you hear, check out our authors Andrea Stewart and N.A. Fulton on Amazon.com, and be sure to subscribe to our Dark Romance Novels and Stories podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast provider. Learn more about us at audioiron.com. A Woman's Honor, a dark historical romance novel by Andrea Stewart. Chapter 7. They rode into the Duke's Keep the next evening at dusk, walking across the bridge and through the gate past men who were shoring up defences around the castle. Villagers collected from all over the Duke's estates were using mud and straw to cover the dozen or more long houses they hoped to survive the winter in. She could smell smoke from many cook fires, and saw pigs and cows being herded in from the woods where they had been allowed to forage for the day. The Duke took his horse into the stables where Eleanor dropped lightly to the ground. One of the stable boys she'd spent many hours teaching over the last weeks, astonished by her unusual garb, couldn't meet her eyes. The duke dropped to the ground behind her and tossed the reins of his horse to the boy. See he is wiped down, fed, and watered. The duke said. The boy, stealing one last look at Eleanor, led the great animal away. Alan, who had just appeared through the door from the stables to the keep, approached the duke grimly. He refused to look at or acknowledge Eleanor. My lord, I've prepared the men to expect an attack within a day. They are making what fortifications we can. I don't know what we can do for those living outside the walls. We can bring some portion of them within the gates, but we have neither space nor food for several hundred, and every family we bring in displaces livestock we will need for a siege. I have no doubt Lord Armstrong will destroy the shelters regardless of who may or may not be within them. We cannot spare food to feed them or permit the distraction of trying to protect them inside or outside the gates. Send them away. Said the Duke. Tell them they may find shelter at my wife's keep a few days hence. I would give them cattle and pigs but I am almost certain they will encounter Armstrong's army who will take all they own. Tell them they may take all the chickens they like. Eleanor felt tears prick behind her eyes. She had been angry and grieving when she signed Lord Armstrong's lie. She had expected, or hoped that it might cost the duke his lands. But she hadn't considered those he protected who had never lifted a weapon. They were being victimized over and over again by a war they had no part in. James appeared. He didn't spare Eleanor a look but she could feel his cold hate fill the air around her. My lord, we cannot withstand a siege of more than a few days. Two of the walls need more shoring than we can do. They will certainly be breached. We have no more than a hundred men who can fight as we need to fight. The rest are injured, ill, or still outside our walls looking for the homeless and hungry. I understand. The Duke looked exhausted in the half-light. The weight of the world lay on his shoulders. What other preparation should we make, my lord? Asked James. He did look at Eleanor then. Shall we build a scaffold? The Duke responded with a sharp laugh. Hang her? Then we won't even have a hostage. If you build a scaffold, my friend, rest assured we will be the ones who hang from it. James did turn to glare at Eleanor then. We should put her to the knife. No. We will barter her to get what we can. I intend to let Armstrong have his wife, since I have no way to stop him from taking her. But I do mean to send her to him well used. 
The Duke glanced at her then. In the meantime you two will continue to keep word of her treachery to yourself. I have no desire to start a riot inside the castle while it is being attacked from without. It was clear James and Alan did not approve of the Duke's decision. Alan you may wish to send Mary and her mother away with the rest of the villagers. Once Armstrong takes the keep we won't be able to protect them. If you wish you may join them in their exodus. I've kept you from serving them long enough. Extend that offer to the rest of the men. Anyone who wishes to leave may go. I wish them well. No, my lord. I will stay and fight. I as well. There are no fools like old fools my friends. But make the offer to the rest. I won't ask these men to squander their lives when I have no notion of how to win the day. The Duke led Eleanor into the keep then. The great hall stilled as she strode through dressed like a boy. Head after head swiveled to look at this strange creature that walked beside their lord, this half-man, half-woman, who seemed impervious to shame. When she exited the room to climb the stairs to the Duke's apartments, she heard a roar of astonishment erupt behind them. By the time he has you, Armstrong will know full well our union was consummated. I do not envy you your first few weeks in his bed. The Duke said as he led her into his room. It was the largest apartment she had seen intact in the castle, and in it she could see all the wealth the Duke had brought with him to his new estate. Embroidered tapestries from Italy and Spain, deep carpets with geometric patterns from Jerusalem, chests of fabric and weapons and armor of all kinds. A fire was already burning on the hearth, and the smell of incense wafted through the room. She had never seen such exotic luxuries. It struck her that the Duke and his men had seen lands and people she could not imagine. They had been to places she would never in her life see. Without a word the Duke removed his shirt. He poured water from a pitcher into a bowl, and used fragrant soap and a cloth to wash. Firelight played across the planes of his massive shoulders, curled down the curve of his back, slipped down to caress his buttocks. He turned to her when he was done and she looked away, ashamed of the desire that filled her. She wanted every inch of him. He came to stand before her, close enough that she could feel his breath stir her hair. I should have brought you here sooner. Who knows how you might have used all this wealth. To buy men, food, arms. Now it will all, like you, end up in Armstrong's hands. His palm came to caress her face. I want to put a child in you. Though I fear what will become of him when I am gone. If you were to conceive and we were, somehow, to win the day. The fact that you were bearing my child would carry much weight. It would protect us both. But, since we are almost certain to fall, any child you bear will be laid to Armstrong's account unless he will call it bastard and you defiled. His words made Eleanor feel ill. Nothing will be left of me when I am gone from this world. Perhaps that is for the best. I cannot say I have been a good man. I've been an able servant for a bloodthirsty king. And that is not at all the same thing. Eleanor turned to bury her head in the duke's chest. Tears poured down her face. How could you expect peace when you killed all those people, my lord? You burned their houses. You raped women. So many children died. How could you expect that not to set us forever at odds? Could you not control your men? Could they not control themselves? She choked on the words as she asked them. She did not want all this misery laid at her door. She and her brother were not solely at fault. The duke's hold on her tightened, suddenly. He slowly stepped back, hands biting into her arms. His eyes were fixed on hers. We burned nothing. We killed no one. Your brother and your men attacked us. Your raiding parties destroyed village after village, starting with the ones by the river. 
You killed my men when they foraged in the woods close by, and poisoned the springs from which we drank with their bodies. We did not. Eleanor could not believe her ears. We found women who had been raped before they died. Storehouses and seed houses were burned to the ground. Your brother waged a merciless war. That is a lie, my lord. Eleanor said fiercely. Do not lay your crimes, and the crimes of your men, on Eric. I accompanied my brother on every raid. I all but commanded them. Think you that I would countenance such a thing? Can you believe that of me? The duke stared at her. Then he spoke. Think you I would come to a new land and attack my neighbors? My first overture was to your father. It was to sue for your hand and to seal a peace between us. I thought to make you and your family mighty, not tear your castle to the ground. The duke let her go, the marks of his hands were now branded into her arms in white. Images of all she had seen poured into her mind one horrible moment after another. What an idiot she had been. Armstrong waged war on both of us and made us wage war on one another. All is exactly as he would have it be. He shall take what we both own. He will appeal to the king to become master of all these lands. Elena, feeling ill, sank to sit on the bed. Armstrong had sought an alliance against the duke. She had denied him. He had seen a way to take all he wanted when it had not been given. He had found a way to end her brother's life, take her to wife, and seize the duke's property as well. Such a diabolical scheme from such an evil man. Eleanor buried her face in her hands, filled with an overwhelming urge to hurl herself off a battlement or take a blade to her own throat. How could she have been so stupid? She had known Armstrong was a soldier, a conniver, a cruel man who felt no love at all for his neighbors. He had come to her family, a wolf in sheep's clothing, and she had not recognized him for the enemy he was. Stop! said the duke gently. He had come to crouch before her. He pulled her hands down. This is war my lady. There is no good and evil, right and wrong, fair or unfair when the battle rages. There is only power. Who has it and what they want? You must not think of what should have been, what might have been. Not if you want to win this game, little soldier. He kissed one of her hands and stared into her eyes. I thought we had already surrendered. The duke made no reply. Instead he kissed her, and his hands came to the lacing of her jerkin. Later, as they lay on his bed naked, his hands toyed with a long strand of her hair. Do you suppose that if you give me a son, he will have this strange white hair? I have never seen its like. Pale as moonlight, fine as spider web. Eleanor said nothing, not trusting herself to speak. She was overcome with remorse and guilt. Since the start she had made a thousand mistakes, which taken together had killed so many and would soon murder so many more. She did not want to imagine a child who would hunger for their father, a bastard of a bastard who only she would love. He would be a formidable warrior. He said. Perhaps even strong enough to bring peace to this hard land. I must go. She said, rolling out of bed. Forgive me, my lord. I cannot linger here. I must find a way to do something, even if it will be of no account. The duke set up, firelight painting him in red and gold. I should arise as well. Every battle brings its surprises, and my men and I have survived terrible odds. We have methods of war Armstrong will not have seen. So let us both get started on the day. I hope we may meet again before the rage of battle begins. Dawn found Eleanor sitting tailor fashion in Maggie's room. Together they contemplated the fire as Eleanor described all that had happened since they last spoke. When she was done the old woman said, 
Surely you see none of this is your doing, Lord Armstrong deceived you and your father. He deceived the Duke. He is the devil's own. I was wrong to trust him. I was wrong to betray everyone by making my mark on a petition to Rome. It was not the truth. I am guilty of so many terrible sins. Who is to say Lord Armstrong would not have killed you, your mother, and your father, if you had not made your oath as he demanded? None of you would be of further use to him if you would not support his petition. Do you think that is so? I do. He is a man who does only and always what serves him best, my lady. Eleanor and Maggie contemplated the truth of that statement for a long moment. For men like Armstrong and the Duke, war is a game. That is why they can win. Said Eleanor. A moment later she was on her feet, looking down at the old woman as she rested on her pallet. It is a game of kings. If Lord Armstrong were to die, his brother would be the new lord since he has no sons. It will take weeks to fetch him and I doubt he would carry on this bloody war. I think he has joined the clergy and resides in London. You want the Duke to engage Lord Armstrong alone in combat? No. He must remain to guard the keep and rule his men. He could never reach Lord Armstrong. He would be captured and killed if he acted alone. The Queen is the most powerful piece on this board. She can go anywhere. What Queen? The King's Queen? She who lives in London? I do not understand. I alone can win this war, because neither king can kill me. But once the fighting starts, it will not stop until one side or the other is defeated. I must strike Armstrong before the armies engage. Margaret looked at her with wide eyes. You seek to plant the blade in Armstrong yourself. It is madness, my lady. I am his wife. He will allow me in his company. Who else from this keep can approach? Maggie shook her head. She rose, moved among the many herbs that now hung from the ceiling beams. She reached into a gap above a beam to retrieve a little cloth bag. He is too strong, too full of wiles to be attacked so directly. You must use this. It is Belladonna and Hemlock. We must make a potion. Eleanor stared at her in shock. I do know dark magic, my lady. I meant to take this myself if they forced me to leave here. I am past tired of living. I did not want to die like an animal in the wilderness. She handed the bag to Eleanor. Then she moved to pick up a stone bowl and pestle. While Eleanor watched she ground the berries and plants together to create a paste. We need some wine, my lady, and a vial to put our mixture in. Eleanor ran from her room to the Duke's apartments. He was gone, the fire was all but out. She found an all but empty bottle of wine and a silver flask. She raced back to the old woman with her heart pounding. As she watched the woman mash a bit of wine into the poison, and then pour the mixture into the vial, she listened to her speak. You must put it in his food, or better in some wine. It has a foul taste so he must drink it quickly. Eleanor stood, stepped away from the woman. I don't know if I can poison Lord Armstrong. This is murder. Maggie shook her head, smiled a little. I could not do it twenty years past when he threw me from my home, not caring if I starved or were burned for a witch. No one he has hurt has ever been willing and able to kill him. And so he continues. She looked at Eleanor. I do not know if I could do it even now. But if you wish to wage war my lady, I think this potion is your best hope. Eleanor left the room, the tiny flask clutched in her hands. She walked through the keep, mentally assessing the men, what fortifications remained, how long the food would last. As the Duke had said, they might hold out for a few days, but they were no match for a well-fed well-rested army, and the walls of the castle, neglected for two generations, were falling in some places. They were too weak to withstand a serious attack, and once they were breached all would be lost. 
She walked to the gate and stared at the hundreds of people in the field outside the walls. Children were crying as their mothers frantically loaded up their meager possessions on their backs and packed crude handcarts. The long houses that had been built were being ignored, already surrendered to an attack she knew was coming. The Duke found her staring through the gate. He had James and Alan in tow. Their faces were suspicious, his patient. Some of my men feel that you should be confined until after the battle. Is one woman such a threat? She asked. The Duke looked over his shoulder at the two men, then at her. He smiled. If that woman is you, my lady. I will do whatever you tell me to do, my lord. I am no threat to this keep. Lord Armstrong waged war on both of us. Deceived all of us. We should always have been allies. I regret that we weren't. Pretty words, my lady. But this assault is entirely on your head. Many will die because of it. Why should we trust you now? As my brother died, as your brother died, as the Duke's son died, because an enemy in the pose of a friend betrayed my family. Because he betrayed you and your Duke. I have paid a high price already. Will you tax me even more, James? If you knew your place and left men to wage war. The Duke interrupted then, cutting James off by stepping between them. My lady, you will stay in my room. I will put guards outside to protect you, or to protect us if need be. Armstrong is camped in the forest half a day's ride from here, near the joint of two streams. We can expect his attack in the morning. We have already seen his spies circling to examine our defenses. Said Alan. Go to my room little soldier, and stay there. If we are to survive you must not be a distraction. Eleanor left him without a word, climbing the stairs filled with both anger and fear. Once inside the Duke's apartments she bathed. Rummaging in his chests she found more clothes like the ones she had worn and she realized they must be his sons. Dressing in the clothes that might have belonged to a young prince, she wondered about the young man she had seen only after death. It grieved her that she would never know him. Once dressed she walked to one of the long hangings covering the windows and pushed it aside. Through a long arrow slit she could see the forest. Having traversed it twice with the duke, she could remember a fast-running creek that ran down from the north. She thought she could follow that to find the camp Alan had mentioned. That was where she must go to undo all the evil she had done. A Woman's Honor by Andrea Stewart Voice recording copyright 2019 by Nancy Fulton All rights reserved Music by Pavel Kanzenkov licensed from Pond5 For more daring love stories, please visit dark-romance.com